The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast. If you have experienced narcissistic abuse, you are in the right place. Our mission is to help you understand the abuse you have experienced, support you through your healing journey, and to help you develop healthy relationships. I am your host, Juliana Aikin, and in today's episode, I'm interviewing Holly Herzog. Holly is a licensed professional counselor, and she works with individuals and couples and specializes in relationship issues. She loves working with people in life transitions, like a divorce or job loss, and she helps her clients cope with grief, come to terms with their new reality, and begin to dream about possibilities. In this episode, Holly offers five practical strategies to help you gradually forgive yourself after narcissistic abuse. Let's get started. I first want to start by just saying that healing from narcissistic abuse is, it's not a quick, it's not a quick thing. It's, it is something that if, you know, people have been listening to this podcast for a while, or working with a therapist or reading about this, they understand probably that this is a long process. And what I found really interesting was that um, I think the hardest piece of the healing work for myself was in forgiving myself. And so um, that was kind of the floor, the, the under, you know, the, the underneath of all of it was that I needed to be able to forgive myself because you can forgive somebody else, I think easier than you can forgive yourself sometimes. Mm. So um, whether that be because um, you expect more from yourself or um, because you know the history and the patterns and the behavior that you put up with and you think, you know, why did I do that or whatever? It's just, um, it's painful. It's, it's complicated and it takes some time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for reminding us of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so the first one that I would start with is that, you know, I think a big piece of it is being able to acknowledge and accept what actually happened in the relationship. And I think this is challenging in part because, For so many years, if you're in a relationship that is uh, um, narcissistically abusive for a long period of time, a lot of strategies to stay in that relationship mean that you learn to discount what is actually happening to you. You make excuses for people's behavior. You doubt your own um, reality You do all of these things that kind of like hide the truth from yourself for a long period of time. So part of the forgiveness process, I think, is being able to really get honest with yourself and acknowledge what actually happened in this relationship. And as you go through the process of thinking back through the relationship, and um, maybe that's by journaling or working with a therapist or whatever, you know, is it accessible to you to be able to like really examine this relationship in detail. You've got to be able to be afraid um, 
to be wrong. <laughs> you know, I think we stay in a narcissistically abusive relationship sometimes because we don't want to be wrong and we don't want to be alone. And so you've got to acknowledge that that might have been a reason why you stayed. And you've got to be able to forgive yourself for wanting to be happy. And you've got to be able to forgive yourself for not leaving sooner. And you've got to be able to forgive yourself for exposing your children to this. And you've got to be able to forgive yourself for isolating and um, kind of becoming very dependent on one person and maybe pulling away from other support systems. And know that it's just scary to be vulnerable and that being vulnerable was something you avoided in an abusive relationship because when you're vulnerable, you get hurt. So acknowledging and accepting the reality of the past is the first step. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And I personally, like this has been very hard for me as well. Uh, it's like acknowledging and accepting the whole childhood, like if you are like uh, grown up in a narcissistic environment. So <laughs> yeah, yes. it's been it's been a long journey. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And that's my number two is look at your past, whether that be your childhood with a narcissistic abuser or you, a, a past relationship and understand how your past has created what you are healing from. So, for example, if you as a kid learn that speaking up is dangerous because it provokes an angry parent um, to be become abusive or that it is considered rude by your parents. You know, you're told, maybe you're told to be nice and you're told that we don't, as a family, the message is we don't talk about the stuff that we don't want other people to know, or that isn't your feelings aren't important about this. So be quiet. You get conditioned to put up with bad behavior. And sometimes um, your family will guilt you, for example, to say, you should be putting up with it. This is your mother. You should love your mother no matter what. Let her, you know, so, so what if she was abusive? She's your mom. You should love her. And so we get conditioned to feel guilty for not putting up with people that are abusive. A lot of times our past actually creates a bunch of behaviors that keep us in present abusive relationships. Mm. And so part of forgiving ourselves is really looking at your past and the behaviors that it created and beginning to accept those. And if, if you need to change them, then beginning to work on them yeah yeah and the reason this is so effective is it because it fosters like understanding like deeper understanding for yourself yes. and then it's easier to forgive yourself because you basically have all the information it's harder yeah. to forgive yourself when you don't have all the information and you basically only see that well i stayed in an unhealthy environment for way too long and then it's, but that's not the whole truth because there is all yeah. the other aspects, like you have said, like, um, 
patterns and behaviors that you have learned from the past that are still affecting you in the present and probably played a huge role uh, in the uh, in the fact that you stayed, for example. So that's kind of the accurate, more accurate picture of what is going on. Not just well, I stayed because I just I just couldn't leave, for example. So yeah, and that brings me to another point. So number three is that you need to be patient with yourself because this uh, narcissistic abuse recovery is not linear. It ebbs and flows. And you will make progress and feel like you're doing really well. And then you'll have a day where you wake up and you feel sad or depressed or lonely. And you reach out and establish a relationship that maybe you have been gray rocking with or you've been trying to pull back from. It is not a linear process and it will ebb and flow. And you've got to have a lot of self-compassion for how difficult this is. Mm, so are you saying that on days when you really notice yourself not forgiving yourself of like, let's say something <laughs> happens, you think about the past and you are like uh, noticing that you are really not right now in the mood of forgiving yourself of all that, that you just need to understand that this is just part of the process. This is one of these days that it's yep. today, it's just harder. And um, yeah, so are you just saying that we have to kind of, this is like a mindset shift mm -hmm. and just being aware of the fact that it's part of the process it's normal to have those days and yeah. and patience yeah. is really important okay yeah yeah because because developing self-compassion takes time okay and everybody has a day that they wake up on the wrong side of the bed and think <laughs> you know things aren't going the way i want to or you know, maybe they're worried about spending a holiday alone or whatever, and they feel bad about themselves. And why am I being weak? Or why is this so hard for me? It's hard. So having self-compassion, being patient, and recognizing that it isn't linear, that it will ebb and flow, and it's a process. And maybe, you know, maybe it'd be really great to write down in a journal or on a piece of paper and put it on your bathroom mirror, the things that you are accomplishing, but the growth that you've seen in yourself. So on those hard days, you could look at that and say, yeah, but look, I have this list here of all of the things that I have done to heal and to, to move forward. And it might make you feel better on those hard days. It's challenging because so often with narcissistic abuse, we doubt ourselves. And it becomes like this um, unspoken, maybe, uh, mind where, you know, when we have our minds focused on growth and we're trying to move forward and we have a bad day, you know, we're used to beating ourselves up. So, I just think it's important to be patient. And number four is that you need to release the emotion. You know, a lot of people when they are healing um, get stuck in like not wanting to feel things, you know, so it's much easier to say, I'm just going to tuck that away and I'm never going to think about it again. But 
Healing involves being able to have a trigger, something happen, for example, that touches that thing that you've tried to tuck away that that you don't have control over. And what will happen if you haven't dealt with the feelings and examined them is then you have a reaction and you have no control over when those triggers come. So then you're having all this emotion and you and, and it's like, oh, it's all back in my face again. So allowing yourself time to feel the feelings and to sit with them and to accept them and know that all of these feelings, anger, frustration, sadness, joy, disappointment, any of those, they're all normal and they're helpful. And so I would set aside some time and every day deal with some of these feelings and work with them every and day i think i think on a regular basis at least yeah okay especially for a period of time because i think you've got like for me i had years of stored emotion i mean it was like for me initially the anger was so huge and it was a lot of it was anger at myself for tolerating bad behavior for so long. And then as I started to like, think about, well, there was this thing that happened. Then I'd remember another thing. Oh, and then there was that. And then there was this. And then it's like, and as you start to unearth them, there's just so many things that come up that need to be processed. Okay. So I'd set aside some time on a regular basis. Daily might be helpful. And journal just write for 15 minutes do what you know the type of journaling that is just set a timer and write whatever comes to your mind and just write for 15 minutes and it might sound like this is really stupid I don't want to be writing about this or it might be some memory that surfaces or some thought that you have that needs to come out that you write and you just keep your pen moving until the timer goes off and when I do that kind of journaling, I'm often surprised at what comes up. It's just a, it's like a, a you know, verbal vomit. <laughs> it's like a, yeah. a way of purging yourself of a lot of emotion. Okay. And so you think that releasing uh, the the emotions that relate to the inability to forgive yourself. So it could be thoughts or uh, like thoughts that you have that not are, that are preventing you from forgiving yourself journaling yeah. about them or just somehow releasing the emotion you know taking a like practicing mindfulness or like taking just the time that you are sitting with the emotion even if you're not writing it but like the writing was good mm -hmm. uh, suggestion it helps to forgive ourselves because can you clarify that because you you will see things more accurately but it's a release it's a way of letting it go. What I like about journaling, and I talk a lot about journaling, and probably people don't like to journal and don't understand this, but but one of the gifts of journaling is that it gets your whole brain engaged in a way that just having a thought doesn't. If you write about something that happened or a thought that you have, you're getting your prefrontal cortex active because your prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that does the organization and the writing. 
by doing that, you're, you've got the emotion that comes up in your limbic brain, and then you've also got your prefrontal cortex engaged. And when you're able to do that, you see it and feel it differently than if you just have the thought. Hey, I hope you are enjoying this episode right now. If you didn't know this already, our mission here at Unfiltered is to help people who have experienced narcissistic abuse understand the abuse they have experienced, support them through their healing journey, and to help them develop healthy relationships. We want to help as many people as possible, but the only way we can reach everyone is if you choose to share this episode. So if you have been getting value from our content, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with others. You could do this by sharing it with your online support groups, sending it to someone dealing with a narcissist, or even leaving a review. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the episode. When we're trying to forgive ourselves after narcissistic abuse... The first strategy was acknowledge and accept what happened in the relationship. So whether it's a romantic relationship or relationship with your family member or members. Mm -hmm. Second one was understand how your past has created what you are trying to heal from. Yes. Third one was be patient with yourself because this takes time. So Mm -hmm. self-compassion. And fourth one was release the emotion that you just said. So you can do it through writing to whatever means, but the main point being that you actually are intentional about this and set a time uh, regularly to make a container for these things, because otherwise they are just under somewhere, you are suppressing them and it's actually might be keeping you stuck. So you have to kind of actively work with them, work through them. Yeah. And get, get them out in order to actually then ultimately reach reach there for for giving yourself or at least like closer so uh... yeah exactly and the last one Mm. is I would encourage anyone that's listening to this to learn what secure attachment looks like most of us that had narcissistic abuse in childhood have learned to have one of the other three styles of attachment that are not secure. Anxious avoidant or anxious avoidant combination. And secure attachment, in a secure attached relationship, you're able to have conflict that is respectful, that lets a person share their feelings And the other person listens and is receptive. In a securely attached relationship, people have bad days. And because you have a bad day, doesn't mean that your partner needs to react and have, you know, an equally bad day and have a huge fight. Learning what a secure relationship feels like helps you recognize when something isn't secure, when it's manipulative, when it's abusive, when it's avoidant, when it causes your body anxiety, those sorts of things. I have a free download on my website for anybody who wants to learn how to move their attachment style towards a more secure style. And that's the beauty of attachment styles. They're not, your attachment style is not like a diagnosis. It's not something you're stuck with. 
It is something that you can change. And so you can become more securely attached in all of your relationships by practicing some very practical things. Mm-hmm. Okay. You yeah. Can, you could download suggestions on my website for that. Yeah. Yeah. There will be a link on the, in the podcast notes for that to easily find that. Um, so why do you think this is so important when it comes to forgiving ourselves? Why learning about secure attachments helps us to forgive ourselves after narcissistic abuse? I think because when you can recognize that your own attachment style is anxious or dismissive or avoidant, you understand why. Because it was a matter of survival for you in that relationship to learn to be, for example, hyper aware of a person's shifting moods and learn how to maybe placate them or think that you're going to avoid a conflict by cleaning up the house before your mom comes home from work, for example, right? If I, I had a client once tell me that that was what they learned to do in childhood was they knew that if their mom came home from work and the house was a mess or their chores weren't done, that they were going to have a really bad evening. And her mo- their mom would blow up and it would become this big thing and there would be a huge scene. But what what they knew was if I did the dishes and made the house look nice and I maybe started dinner, my mom would be in a really good mood and then we'd have a really nice evening. That's an example of having an anxious attachment where you're anticipating what somebody else's emotion is going to be and you're doing things to try to shape how that evening goes, right? Or it might be that you, with an avoidant, that you learn when my mom or dad is on the war path or my ex-partner was on the war path, I just learned to like hide. I'd, I'd find anything that I could do to just like get myself out of the house or go to my room, shut the door and read, right? Creates a, a style of, I don't engage with you when you when I feel like you're dangerous. Instead, I pull back. Understanding why you did what you did, I think helps you forgive yourself because you're just trying to survive. Yeah, thank you. I think that's very important. Um, so when we're trying to forgive ourselves after narcissistic abuse, you have now shared five strategies. So the first one was acknowledge and accept what happened in the relationship. So going really deep into that. Second one was understand how your past has created what you are trying to heal from. Um, so going like to the roots of, and maybe perhaps to your childhood, but like, like, very far to the past third one was be patient with yourself so and also like self-compassion third uh, fourth one was release the emotion so that could be through journaling or whatever means but the bottom line was to find uh, time and engage into this step regularly that that was the important piece fifth one was learn what secure attachment looks like because this again 
helps you to get more accurate picture of what actually was happening. You kind of gather all the information. And when you have all that, you have a better understanding of yourself, what happened, why it happened, what was your role, what wasn't your role, but and all those circumstances that contributed to the situation. It's easier to forgive yourself because it's always kind of easy to for for us maybe go to that 100% self-blame. So this is uh, like, this takes a little bit more time. You have to gather all the information and you really, really like kind of understand and research and that, but, but it's, um, it's closer to the reality and also helps you to actually forgive yourself. So yeah. Do you, do you have any thoughts, like final thoughts about all of these strategies or about the topic of forgiving ourselves in general? No, I just want to reiterate though, that I think that um, especially as a therapist that specializes in relationships, I felt like I should have known better. And I think that forgiving myself was the hardest work I did. I could forgive my narcissistic dad because I always had compassion for why he was who he was. Right. And so forgiving myself was a lot harder because I have this expectation that I'm educated about it. I should have, it should have, I should have like done it differently. Right. And I just want everyone that's listening to this to recognize that if a therapist struggles with understanding themselves and their history and creates a bunch of life choices that, you know, maybe weren't in hindsight the best choices and has struggled with this, then everyone else probably will too. Like it's, it's not an easy thing to heal from. So, and I think forgiving myself was the hardest part. So do you think you have forgiven yourself now? I think I'm, I, it ebbs and flows. And I think I'm at least maybe like 90% or 95%. But occasionally I have a bad day. Occasionally I have a day where I regress. Still. I hope you enjoyed that episode and maybe you are going to listen to it a couple more times if you are planning on using Holly's advice, which I hope you do. Before I let you go, I would like to invite you to join our free community. My team and I send out free courses and healing exercises every week. In fact, we already have a course about forgiving yourself after narcissistic abuse with insights from Dr. Didi. We also host Life Therapist-led Q&A sessions every month that are 100% free. To join, please click the link in the podcast notes or visit unfiltered.net slash community. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll catch you in the next one.